Welcome to the Executive Minds Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, David Farmer. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Executive Minds Podcast. This is David Farmer, and I am actually broadcasting from Greensboro, Georgia, home of Lake Oconee, uh, where I am working from home, quote unquote, working from the lake. That may be a new term, but I'm joined today with one of my fellow mentors, Kevin Jennings. He's from that hot spot, Nashville, Tennessee. Kevin Welcome to the Executive Minds Podcast. Happy to be here with you, buddy. And I wish I was at the lake with you uh, as opposed to uh, hanging out in Nashville right now. That sounds like a lot of fun. Who says they don't want to hang out in Nashville? Come on, Kevin. That's <laughs> I know. You know, all the tourists have just been running back in as we've kind of entered phase one of our reentry here where restaurants are back open. So I'm kind of like, I would actually want to go somewhere a little secluded as opposed to hanging out where all the tourists are hanging right now. I'm like, I'm going to hang out with you, get some jet skis, all the real fun. Well, you have an open invitation to come to the lake. Um, it has been a good, kind of a good place for really, I think we figured out uh, on a, uh, a business meeting I was on earlier, this is, we're recording this on what we're calling day 68 of the COVID-19 crisis. So, but we're, we're thriving. In fact, it's interesting. It sort of leads to what we want to talk about today. I don't even know how many virtual meetings I've been part of over the last several months, but that's been one of the phenomenons in this crisis is we've all had to learn some new skills. And I have parents that are in their 80s. They're learning how to Zoom. Uh, because that's how we do a lot of life these days. And we don't all use Zoom. We use different applications. But we want to talk today about virtual meetings. And whether you're a participant or in many cases you're involved in helping to lead, what are some best practices around getting the most from virtual meetings? Uh, you've had some phenomenal experiences with that recently. Before we even jump into the content, t talk a little bit about what your life looks like relative to virtual meetings. Yeah, so um, virtual meetings for me kicked really heavy into gear probably around fall 2014 because when I was a marketing director for a nonprofit in Atlanta, they had said, hey, Kevin, build a contract team. We, don't, we really don't want to bring on full-time hires right now in the organization. So build a contract team and you just lead them. And in the process of doing that, over that time period, I, you know, and I was also freelancing, doing some things on the side. They were also very supportive of at the time. And I had a bunch of 1.13 contractors that I was actively working with and leading outside the organization. And that just led to me saying, okay, how am I going to organize these people who are really working on a variety of projects that I'm representing every single day? And I brought in Zoom at the time. I got introduced. I was trying Skype, but it just kept failing for me personally. And that brought in Zoom. And then someone introduced me to Slack at the time. And I was like, well, let me just try this out. It might be better than something else we were using at the time. And really just fell in love with those tools and always kind of had them in my tool belt to navigate a variety of things. And I was actually leading virtual meetings at least once a day in a variety of formats, but nothing like right now, nothing like the past two to three months and what, and what is really demanded of every person I work with, because I'm a hybrid of doing a lot of in-person stuff with clients as well. Yeah. One of the things I love about Kevin is he's an early adapter when it comes to technology. So he leans in and he's, he's really been a personal guide to me. He has literally gone onto Amazon and 
bought stuff I need and had it shipped to my house. And then he's gotten on screen with me and showed me how to hook it up. But because he uses it in business, but one of his little hobbies, you may not know about Kevin, is he likes to DJ as well. So therefore, he's comfortable working with all this audio equipment, getting things connected. Uh, So we're going to leverage some of that today. I I would tell you that uh, I know everybody references Zoom, and it's almost like Zoom has sort of become like Kleenex or, you know, sort of a generic term that actually speaks to a whole class of tools. Uh, I'm at Chick-fil-A, and we actually use a product called Blue Jeans, which I think Verizon is buying, and it's similar to Zoom. Uh, we also use Microsoft Teams, which might be somewhat equivalent to Slack. And I've used a few other things. I've used Fuse. That was interesting. I, I actually like the user interface on that. And I still use Zoom a lot. Kevin and I are actually um, recording this using Zoom right now because uh, a lot of things um, – community groups that I'm part of, uh, boards are using uh, Zoom. So a lot of good tools out there. Uh, But we're going to jump in. We're going to kind of divvy this conversation up into two parts. We're going to go over some basics to begin with. Whether you're a participant or you're leading, what makes for a really good virtual meeting? I will say this. I've been keeping track. I was in 26 virtual meetings um, a couple of weeks ago. That's my record right now. In one week? In one week. Oh my gosh! You know that, that's a that, that that is a record. <laughs> yeah. So this let me just say this matters to me because if I'm gonna, <laughs> I don't, I'm not I'm not in 26 this week, but I'm in a lot. But if I'm gonna be in this many virtual meetings, I want them actually to be meaningful and productive and and not make me want to pull my hair out. So we're, we're gonna get into some basics, but then we're gonna get into a few advanced concepts, I'll call them as well, on how you can really leverage this kind of new skill. Because I believe since everybody's had to use it, even if you work in an environment where you're going to return and you're going to have real uh, interaction, I think this is going to be a a tool in the toolkit that we're all going to use. I actually envision my own life being a little bit of a hybrid, uh, a mix of in person at my office and then work from home with a lot of virtual meetings. And I'm finding that actually the virtual meetings enable me to connect with people easier. I'm having an easier time doing it than I was before where we felt like we had to be in the same room together and the logistics were keeping that from happening. That's right. So, uh, all right. So that being said, I I may just sort of throw up a topic, Kevin, and let you kind of respond and give counsel tips Best practices, if that's cool. Let's do it. I would love to do it. All right. Well, we've, we've sort of got started there. Let's just start with the technology. What would you say about uh, the just the technology if you want to have a great virtual meeting? Yeah, I think the, the primary thing I would say is you have to find something that's reliable for you and your team and then something that's easy to use. And I know, I mean, and that's based on your tech setup because transparently, uh, if you if your whole company's on Google Suite, which is kind of the business version of Gmail and Google Calendar and all that stuff, well, Google Meetings is already integrated. And so using that tool is actually might be easier for your team because there's no new logins. N- you know, there's nothing for anybody to have to set up that they don't already have access to. And you can click it right from the actual, you know, sidebar of your email. And in many ways, it actually will auto-generate a conference call line if you create an event in, the, in your Google Calendar. And they've just made it free for everybody right now. I think they've been, they've, they were reserving as a paid feature to compete with Zoom. And people were using Google Hangout, the free version, but it wasn't as reliable and they knew that. And so they, they eventually released the free version, I mean, the paid version for free for a limited time to essentially try to get adoption because they knew that everybody's there for it. Um, so that's just one example of easy for the people who might need it. And then you want to find something that's reliable. And I, my, personal response to anything about reliable is this. 
If you're paying for it, you are a customer. If you're not paying for it, you are the product. And so if you're not paying for it, that means the company's trying to monetize you. And that means they don't owe you anything if it doesn't work. And so the number one value, why I switched to Zoom and recommend, recommend a paid service of some kind is you at least have some of accountability, an expectation that they're going to deliver something for you that you can count on and you can get a refund if it doesn't work. You can switch services if it doesn't work. And I think that's a big part of reliability. Are you paying for it? What do you pay, Kevin? But for my paying, how much I'm paying right now? Yeah. Yeah, it depends. And so right now, at one point I had, you know, four or five, six paid pro accounts for Zoom. Right now I'm down to just three. So I'm paying around $15 or so per user. But then what I'm doing, I'm paying a little extra on top of that uh, because I actually wanted to pay for a certain amount of storage on Zoom servers because I, I record a lot of my meetings because if my EA is not available, she can listen back to it, take notes, distribute them. Um, a person who might be a key contributor missed me. I can just quickly share the Zoom link so you can actually watch the recording. Right now we're recording a podcast. I can just go to Zoom and download the audio. So I have a lot of reasons for me personally to record a lot of the content, uh, coaching sessions, consultations. So for me, recording is a big deal. But uh, So I'm just spending about 85 bucks a month. That's awesome. Okay. Well, if you think about how important it is to work and even things beyond work, that's money well spent. Absolutely. Uh, I, I'd argue we could comb through our credit cards and find $85 from something else we figured out we don't need anymore. So That's so true. Let me ask you about this. Let's talk about um, just lighting and audio as basics. Because um, as I'm on a lot of calls and I see a lot of folks, I see shadow people. Um <laughs> I hear distraction. So what's some coaching on lighting and audio? Yeah. So all computer webcams are not created equal. And that's on no fault of your own. If you happen to be a person who takes really good care of your technology, your laptop, even if it's issues from your job, if you take really good care of it, you might have an older model just because you've done a good job of keeping taking care of your computer and they haven't upgraded you yet. And that might mean your webcam is not as advanced as some of the newer technologies come out. And so that might mean you need to invest in a good webcam on your own. The gold standard for webcams, um, I'll tell you right now, it's called a Logitech C920. Now, it is so popular, you can find millions of reviews on this on YouTube, but it's so it's so good for such an affordable price. At full price, $80. $80 one time, and you're going to get 1080p, like HD quality video on you. Now, they've because everyone in the world has gone virtual, uh, they are back ordered about four to six weeks. So if you want to get one today, you have to go to eBay and probably pay double the price. But even that, $150 for a webcam that you can guarantee you're going to look show up in HD quality is not that bad. The other thing is, you know, you might have a computer where the microphone, once again, for some of the older ones, they don't detect audio coming through. The newer ones do. They can actually sense when you're not talking and they'll shut down. So they, when you're on a Zoom call, they won't pick up any background audio because they will know I'm not talking. But for some that are older, they don't have that sensor. So you'll have to really navigate either getting a microphone where you can control that or you can just use the mute button. So I want to make sure I bring that up. But that's probably the number one issue with audio is audio coming through unintentionally. So it's not so much the yep. clarity of it. It's just you don't know if I can hear everything going on around you. And you need to control that manually, which you can totally do. But there's a really great microphone. Uh, it's by Audio Technica. It's called, it's their ATR series. ATR 2100, 2200, 2300. They're USB microphones, but they have 
really high-end quality in them. And so you can go into your USB right into your computer. It comes with a tabletop stand for your desk or for your, you know, whatever you are, and it's really high quality. So that's another quick upgrade, $79 or $89 on the high end, and immediately you have a professional-grade microphone uh, sitting in front of you. It's a microphone I would recommend to my clients when they're recording podcasts remotely or things like that. We actually use them here at Mentor as well, along with some other microphones, and it's a big, big win to have that simple upgrade. Um, and if, there's, if you can afford that, there is one uh, smaller it is called a Blue Yeti. So it's Blue's the brand, and the microphone's called a Yeti. And it's a tabletop mic. It's a USB microphone, about 40, 50 bucks. And it's also another great microphone. Uh, not as good as the ATR, but it is a good microphone. Well, I'll share this concept. Imagine we're all gathering in person, and it's an important conversation. You're going to be, I think, cognizant of how you show up. That's right. How you look, um, behaviors in the meeting. Uh, just your presence, right? We talk about body language a lot. Well, I would argue, let's don't throw that out the window just because we're having virtual meetings. So how do you want to show up in a virtual meeting? And that that's everything from, you know, how you're dressed and, and groomed, obviously. But I would get into some things even like lighting. I, and it's interesting, in the last couple of weeks, I've seen the NFL draft, which had to be done virtually. That's right. And I've watched some American Idol, mm -hmm. where they can't all gather in Hollywood. And in each case, the NFL, they sent a audio-video kit to every one of the top draft prospects and told them how to set it up in their home. American Idol sent all the gear out uh, to the contestants on American Idol, told them how to set it up because they knew it mattered. That's right. Uh, I mean, this is a broadcast. And so how do you want to show up? Simple things like you need a light source behind your screen. That, I, I, you just read my mind, David. <laughs> I see a lot of people, they've got the windows behind them. That's right. And they just look like a dark outline. You can't see their face. That's right. You can't. And so you want, if you don't have natural light behind your screen, you may need to get um, some type of LED light. I know, Kevin, you sent me uh, just some simple little, I don't even think they cost, you know, 25 bucks, little LED light kits to put uh, behind my screen to help with lighting. And it's simple, but it makes a huge difference. It really does. I just bought my most expensive lighting kit for like 150 that just showed up. And um, it's pretty much like, just like photography lights, it's just kind of two lights. And I'm, I'm going to start using those because I, I recognize, and that means I can actually darken the entire room on purpose. If I, I, can, I can have a Zoom meeting at 10 o'clock at night who have the same quality of broad daylight. And so the, I think, and once again, I would actually challenge people to say, I think the expectation of how you show up is even greater because everyone knows that they only have a small box, right? Like if, like if you're in, let's say you're in, this in your home right now and let's say your floor is a mess. I mean, you have not, I mean, I mean, the floor is covered in kids toys. All right. All the toddler people, toddler parents listening, I'm one of you, right? There are toys at my feet, <laughs> right? But, I'm standing up. I'm at a stand-up desk right now. I have the waist up to worry about. If I get on this call with David and I don't look at least presentable enough to say I turn my camera off, he has every reason to say, Kevin, you have so, such little real estate to even care about. Like you don't, I mean, I can't yeah. see, it. find the blank wall, which I'm standing in front of right now, not even my cool office with bookshelves on the back, a regular plain white wall. There's nothing to look at, but it's not distracting. You're the star of the show. You know, you know, I'm so it's like, hey, so at the end of the day, a decent shirt, you know, a decent shirt, a blank wall, 
you've you've covered most of your challenges aesthetically, which is why people are saying, hey, how no I mean be transparent, how dare you come on this call and appear this way when we know the waist up is all that matters. Yeah. And so I think for us, I think we have to say, hey, perfection is not necessarily the goal, but effort still matters. And I'm representing myself. And you can even say disclaimers. Hey, hey everybody, my child might wake from a nap during this call. And I'm going to do everything I can to to mitigate that. I have this going on, this going on. But if I have to step off, it'll be very briefly. Like yeah. that is a fair thing to say, but that still has nothing to do with how you showed up on time or, or something like that or how you showed up physically as far as your appearance in that call. So we all know real life's going on. That's right. But people do want to see you making an effort to be fully engaged and bringing your best to whatever meeting you're part of. Let me ask you about this, Kevin. A lot of these platforms have a chat or discussion or Q&A feature. Talk about how you best use those. Um, it almost feel like there can be two layers to the meeting. There's what's on screen, what people are talking about. But in the background, there's a way to sort of raise your hand, ask a question, make a comment, and somebody's got to moderate that. What would you suggest? Yeah, that's a really great point. And so there's a couple ways to navigate this. Um, so assuming you are really strapped on the resource side, I'll start with that one. Then usually lay the ground rules. Hey, everybody, I'm going to make time for questions. Because the one thing about virtual meetings that's very different from physical meetings is they're just organically more efficient because you're on a computer. It's, it's, it's a sitting down on a device. The lack of social in-person interaction, people actually, like, let's get to it. Like, people are actually much more interested in getting started faster. And honestly, I, I, I don't understand the psychology of that just yet. I don't understand the psychology of people engaging people they know in person. But in, the, in virtual, they're like, let's just go. Let's get it going. Yep. I'm ready. I agree. And so because of that reality, you have to set more ground rules on how to navigate the chat. Okay. Hey, throw your questions in there. I'm not going to answer them, but I don't want you to hold me in your mind. I want you to stay engaged with me and I'll come back to the question at the end. That's one, what's one approach, right? Or you might say, raise your hand. There's a raise your hand feature. You might have to send out a video in your agenda before the meeting on how to do something like that for those who are new to the technology. If you, you know, but you, if you're by yourself and you're doing both moderating and actually like communicating and leading it, you need to have some ground rules. If you have help, I would always say designate the moderator. I mean, I don't care how small the meeting is. Just have a person who's responsible for collecting the questions, maybe reading the chat so people can actually engage with it. Otherwise, it can get unwieldy because I've been in some meetings and sometimes my fault. I'm chatting while the person's talking, and in real life, that would be considered rude, and and it will be considered distracting. And for those who are monitoring the chat, it is distracting. And you know, because now everybody, some people are like snig, they might be smiling or laughing because there was something something said in the chat, and the leader's like, "Well, what, what's going on? What am I missing?" Because they're not yep. following along. And so, rules on, and kind of like what are how we're going to navigate and leverage the chat is is something I would say you want to lay out. But a moderator can help a lot with that. There's also private messages in chat. So you don't have to just send it to the whole group. So if, if you miss something, private message, hey, hey, David, I know we just got this chat. What what what, is, what are we talking about right here? Like you don't have to distract the whole group to get what you need. Um, and once again, think about it as replying all to an email versus to singular send, right? Do I have to notify everybody about this right now? No, I do not. I yeah. you know. And so there's a bunch of cues there, but if you're not careful, you will literally have a second meeting happening while the main meeting is happening and the presenter is really being disrespected or overlooked in a, in a really important time. 
Well, Shane and I were just on a, a part of a, a group meeting uh, just earlier today, and I actually felt like things were happening at four levels. We had the entire group, which is about 35 people in one meeting. They On Blue Jeans, they had us break up into small groups, and it was the first time I'd done that. They had it all set up. All I had to do is click a link, and I went to my pre-assigned small group for a discussion. Then we went back to main group. You had the Q&A feature that you could log into. And then to your point about get feedback from somebody, Shane is texting me directly in between asking me a question that related to the uh, meeting that he didn't want to post in the in the, the whole group dialogue. So there are a lot of dimensions to it. There are. Uh, now, the, tr- the trick is I had to make sure I was still staying very engaged, even if I'm looking at something other than the primary screen. Indeed. Yeah. And, and I think that's a big part of it. Why, if you're leading these meetings, you want to give your team permission to do some of that because they can, they can actually help you, right? Instead of you being yep. asked that question, they could have been solved five minutes ago and, and that person doesn't even need to ask you a question anymore. It can actually make the meeting more efficient. So, for example, I was in a meeting recently with another team um, and they were – one person was presenting – the other person was posting the links to the resource that the presenter was sharing in real time on behalf of the presenter. And so it was like it was actually making the presentation more engaging without the presenter having to play technology manager. Um, and actually worked out really, really well. And so it was a really enjoyable call uh, in that way because of it. And so I think you just want to navigate that piece. But I do think the raising of hands feature they have, the clapping feature, there are so many things you can do to actually use polling to engage your community or your audience. So, for example, icebreakers are a big thing for me on these calls because, once again, everyone's so efficient. We will actually burn out all the personal side of the meeting really easily. And so I'll just say, hey, by show of hands, you know, how many everybody, how everybody we can go, give me a thumbs up if it went well, thumbs down if it didn't go well, right? So you kind of scan really quickly. Hey, what happened there? Hey, how are you doing? So you can, something very simple like that. Hey, how many read the agenda? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Hey, we want to we give such and such some credit. Everybody, let's give them a round of applause. That sounds really silly, but when the person sees all these hand claps pop up, it's still, it's, they still recognize it's for them. You know, um, yep. I'll do muted claps. I say, "Hey, everybody, let's let's clap with our mute on." And everybody starts initially right hands clapping. It's 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 small, but it's I don't want to lose some of that stuff. One of our previous guests on our podcast, Brian and Shannon Miles at Belay, they've been fully remote for a decade, and one technique I stole from them is something called fist to five. Right? You might say on a scale of one to five, everybody's doing or fist to five. So fist means zero, five means excellent. Right? So everybody just kind of flashes a hand or flashes a number on their hand on the screen to take a pulse of the room before you get started. That's awesome because you can be muted and, and that still works. And it still works. That's great. And so those are simple things, but they really go a long way for you as a person facilitating, hey, how many people are having a rough day today? Fist to five. Right? And you just kind of get a pulse of the room. Okay. All right. Because if you were in person, you would pick that up. You'd pick up that person looks a little down. This person looks a little sad. You know, this person looks really excited about something. Like they're really buzzing and they have this cool glow. You pick up that stuff and you would engage it the right way for the meeting. And you sometimes just invite that openly uh, during the meetings on the virtual side. Good stuff. All right. I'm going to shift gears. You had an experience two weeks ago. I'm not sure any of us are dying to have, but we definitely want to learn from you. Uh, You were on a four-day, all-day virtual meeting, and it involved a lot of planning and creative sessions and brainstorming. And I'm thinking, wow, that's a tall order. But uh, I want to learn from that. Uh, I want to figure out what happened. First of all, did it go well? 
If so, what made it go well? Uh, what were the challenges, you know, maybe the things you wouldn't do ever again? So tell everybody a little bit about the experience you had two weeks ago. Yeah, so this is not a pitch for my business, but this is the reality of what I'm doing. It's not uncommon for me to lead strategy sessions or or launch sprints for clients where we pretty much do, you know, the developer version of a hackathon. We just kind of knock out of something really important for the organization in a really short period of time. And you, these are usually done in person. And so in this context, we couldn't do that. And so I've led virtual consultations and coaching, but never full day strategy planning or execution work like this. And so from four, so four days, it was scheduled to be eight to five in person. So that's just for context. It's going to be eight to five. We'll have breakfast together, lunch together, and then break. And everybody's the evenings to themselves. That was essentially the plan for the in-person model. And by us going virtual, we had we were going to have 15 people uh, join us for the in-person meeting. So 15 people joined us for the virtual meeting. And so how I modified it really, and it did go well. I won't say that front. It did. It went very, very, very well. But I think there was some learnings from the virtual meetings thing I talked about earlier from the basics, but I had to do some modification. And so the first thing is I shortened the day. I did go, for, I didn't tend to go in eight to five, I went 10 to five. So, so I, we shortened the day for two hours, just give everybody a chance every morning to do whatever they need to do to be present for the call. And I, was, I just yep. used the first two hours of email, what, what, what put out the fire of that day, something to make sure you can be fully present so we can actually still say six hours counted as opposed to the in-person chemistry we get when we're together. The other thing is the people who are here for these sprints sometimes or every meeting you might lead it's a large meeting is not your core team. And I think that's a part of it too. When it's your core team, you know certain things. Look at people's faces. The per that person's a slow processor. That person's a really quick processor. That person's talkative. That person's quiet. I didn't have that luxury. So what I did before the meeting was I actually had two different meetings where were small prep calls where I essentially said, hey, Here's how the meeting's gonna go. Here's the flow of the meeting. Here's our objectives for the meeting. Any questions? So I got get people gonna be prepared for this format, so they wouldn't be shocked. Uh, the other thing I did was actually ask people to take personality tests and say, hey, if you know your disc, if you know your strengths finder, if you know your enneagram, if you know you know uh, your Colby, send me that information, because at the end of the day. I don't have the luxury of going through, you know, the forming phase of team development, right? Usually it's, it's the, yep. it's, it's what is this? It's a forming, storming, norming, performing, yep. right? Well, storming takes time and we don't have time. We don't have the luxury of getting through what we would do in person to storm. We've got to know who we're dealing with as fast as we can so we can respect one another's differences and leverage our differences to benefit the program that we're trying to execute. And that was a game changer, because if someone who we knew is actually an outspoken, dominant personality became very quiet, we're like, you have something to say. You're just not saying it. We're going to pull it out of you because we need we need your feedback today. So, Kevin, we're, we're all 15 folks in every group, large group session the whole time? No. Great question. So we kicked off with everybody together. So we can set, so do some level setting, some icebreaker exercise. We went through, we still went through uh, a little bit of the activity I talked about before. Everyone introducing themselves, sharing more about themselves. We spent a whole hour introducing each other because we knew this wouldn't happen again. So we, we burned the first hour just on get to know yous and, and, and then some level setting for the, for the time together. And then after that, I intentionally said with my planning side, I did way more planning than I usually would. And I planned out breakout sessions, like you said. Okay, hey, when we're gonna we're gonna break up and have this group work on this, this group work on this, and this group work on this. We had sometimes three or four breakout rooms, depending on if someone was not needed, 
and they could actually take some ground on something that we needed long-term in the project by the end of the time it was done, your, your independent work session, go. Get off of all of it and just have an hour and a half to get some stuff done for this project during this time. Um, but we'll all be available via Slack. And so we, we actually had a Zoom and Slack going, and we had a Slack channel that was just for this group of people to communicate with each other throughout the session. But we did strategically choose times for breakouts. And we also chose, we protected time for lunch. And that was a big thing. Like no one's allowed on Zoom, no conversation in Slack. Everybody walk with your computer, half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour to make sure that people had time to themselves away from a, tech, from a, from a computer technology. What do you think the longest amount of time you can have everybody on a virtual meeting be- without needing to take a break? Just a bio break, a, you know, get up, stretch your legs, change your scenery kind of break? Yeah, well, I already, I've already read some books about productivity that said, hey, the human mind really can't, even those who are really focused, 90 minutes in the human brain's tapped out. So I, so I read that a couple of years ago. And so I've always tried to live with that rhythm. Okay, I have a 45-minute interval, I have a 90-minute interval. And after that, I'm, I'm going to try my best to come bring it to a close. Unless we have like, you know, we're so close, we can just go a few more minutes and get it done. So that's a yep. personal thing I go with. And there's a, some science that supports that, um, that I did not create. I don't know if it's science, but I, I'm not sure. I, I mean, 90 minutes is going to feel like a long time for me. Yeah. Too. I mean, so maybe that needs to be even the exception and not the rule. And- for sure. For sure. And, and, and it depends on the conversation too, right? It's like every conversation in these kind of, creative, strategic planning meetings. Some of them are just gives me an opportunity to explore an idea. And everybody just kind of sits back and kind of listens and says, hmm, you know, and, and, and so everything's not as intensive, as intense as far as we're all cranking on something. Um, I think that is a big part of how I did I had to design it where there was enough downtime for that. All right. So let me ask you this. When I'm in physical meetings and typically in office setting, uh, we've learned to use the walls. So a lot of our walls are just whiteboard walls or they're walls where you can post things that are graphic that help focus the team. And and I have found as a facilitator, if I can listen to the room and I can write some of the things I'm hearing on the wall, it tends to focus the conversation and move us towards our end objective. How are you doing that on a virtual meeting? How are Great how are you displaying a lot of the the content that's being discussed and keeping everybody moving on towards that end result you're trying to achieve? Great question. So I before the before the actual meeting started that week, when I made the agenda, I also created templates for documents that I could fill in during the course of the session. And, and, and they were loose. I mean, they were, none of them were perfect. I said, hey, we're, I know we're going to have to fill in this portion of a document or this portion of a document. When we're done, if it's not complete, it will at least be a preliminary version of this. And so I actually would end up saying, okay, guys, I'm typing this in Google Documents. And I would actually pull my screen up and they would see me typing up what they're saying. Or I, or I would, and I, then after the session was over, I might share the document with everyone on the team to go ahead and add comments or feedback or actually just revise the document or whatever their idea was or contribution to that would have been. Um, we also did a couple of brainstorm sessions where I either said, and I did, I did something I call it the quiet storm. So essentially, instead of a brainstorm was verbal, it's quiet. I literally said, we're going to sit here on silence and we'll play some music in the background. And for 15 minutes, write out every idea you have in this document. Just quick, you know, and, and what that did was it gave all the people who are, first of all, not going to fight for their space, a place to get it done. For those who are really verbal, they had to be quiet and focused. 
give you a chance to run out of ideas and come with some new ones. But but everyone, there was no one competing for being heard. Every idea was equally seen in real time. And that was amazing. I mean, we came up with 65 ideas. When I, only, I thought we were going to come up with 10 or 15 because yeah. people just got to go. And, and it was a really big win for that. But that's I've turned pretty much Slack or a Google document or spreadsheet that everyone can access as my virtual whiteboard. That's cool. I want, I want to pick up real quick on something you referenced earlier. You mentioned you're at a stand-up desk. And one of the observations I had, I referenced all these meetings I was in. I told uh, Mallory, my wife, I'm like, well, I feel like I'm actually more sedentary because I'm not even moving from room to room. And even when I'm in a, a an actual conference room, I always feel the freedom to stand up. You know, we we can do that in a way that's not distracting, kind of stand behind the chair, jump up to the board. But when I'm on a screen, I feel like I, I'm kind of locked to the screen because if I move, people won't see me or it becomes a bit of a distraction. But I actually bought a stand-up desk just a couple of weeks ago, put it together, didn't even spend a lot, just got it on Amazon, and it's actually helping. But what would you say to folks that it feels like people need to create an environment where they're not locked into their chair for an extended period of time? Um, yeah, that's really great. So I'm in a, so right now my my, my stand just downstairs actually rises and goes up and down the switch. The one that right now I live a fifty dollar folding table or something like that I got from Amazon. I have another tabletop stand that can elevate to kind of go on top of any surface to make a kind of stand up. Uh, at least height section and I have a small desk to my left I can sit down at and have a chair next to me and if I and what I would probably do for you and I were meeting for any period of time I might rotate between all three I mean you might see me in one meeting that morning I'm sitting down next meeting I'm standing up and, and you see all the different angles because I, I I do know that I need to move um, and so I think you have to create a space that gives you that kind of flexibility or at least own that reality that you need that and then the meetings that allow you to to go audio only. So the phone calls are audio only walk outside, like put your AirPods yeah. on and, and hit the, and hit, you know, especially daytime when there's fewer cars out driving, obviously school might be out where you are right now. So there might be fewer kids outside. I don't know your situation, but create the diversity you need uh, in order to create the experience and keep your body moving. Uh, that's what I definitely say. But I think the key thing for all this, the breakout rooms are big. And I would say this, cause if you're leading any extended planning session, with lots of voices, you will have to, you can diversify the feeling just by small group, large group, uh, sharing your screen, take, saying, everybody, take a stretch break. I mean, you have to bake that in and assume people are not doing that because this is not their norm. And I, yeah. I, I so I baked in five, 10 minute breaks throughout the day. Just everybody was breaking. Why? We're just going to break. That's what we're going to do. And, and uh, we'll bring everybody back together midday, celebrate everybody's success. Hey, what have you got done today? So a little bit like the scrum too, like, hey, what have you gotten done today? Where, where's your punch list at? How's it going? Let's celebrate some success because even these conversations, they can be so heavy or so knowledge transfer. There is no celebrating. Yep. It's we're done. Goodbye. Click, click, click. Everybody starts exiting the meeting. And it's, it's bent toward efficiency. But some of the things yep. that happen to build camaraderie and trust and teamwork and, and motivation are just gone from the virtual setting if you don't build it in. Yeah, we've had some fun having people send in pictures ahead of time. It might be, hey, show us what your work environment looks like. Hey, show us your pet. Hey, show us a picture of what you did this weekend. And then we might pull them up over the course of the meeting just to uh, break up the flow a little bit. Again, create some uh, social connection. Just make it fun. Kev, let me give you a chance just to kind of your last word. 
I'm shocked that you're you're so far ahead of us having done this years and years ago and you referenced Brian and Shannon and, and the Belay folks and they've been doing it for a decade. It's new for so many of us. Give us your dismount. What's what's the piece of advice that you want to make sure we take away with, whether we're a participant or we're leading this way, uh, to be really, really good at using virtual meetings? For the participant, I would say this. You know what makes you engaged. You Whatever that is, you know what that is. If it's taking notes, if it's doodling, like our good friend William Warren and sketching to stay engaged, what you have to do the thing that creates a level of engagement for you to keep yourself in the game. Because I've been in these meetings sometimes, and they do get dull at times, depending on the, the structure, the number of attendees. But you don't want to be that person who gets called on at that random moment, because I've had that happen before, and it's very painful, to have to publicly say in a Zoom call or a Google Hangout with 50 people, 20 people, I'm sorry, I missed what you said. Would you mind repeating that? All, all I heard was my name called, and now I'm back in the game. And it's like, that is really disappointing because, and so I would say for you, you have to try to hack yourself a bit to play that game. If it's standing up, if it's moving around, if it's moving your legs, whatever your thing is, drinking water, hack yourself, play your game within the game to make that work. That's good. Um, now for the person who's leading it, I definitely feel like planning in advance was always the requirement to make any meeting successful. In a virtual meeting setting, it's even more important to plan ahead. My agenda for that session, just for context, was 20 pages. Wow. And it was 20 pages because I planned it down to the quarter hour for breaks. That's why. And I want everybody to see, okay, they could tell their spouse, tell their kids, I have a lunch break at one. Order their Chick-fil-A on the mobile app so we can pick it up. To show, you know, like, like, Boom. You know, it's like you can, I wanted people to be able to schedule their life still. Yeah. And, and, and I think that, if I, if I turn into a typical meeting where they're all on site and we're doing catering, it's much easier. This is not like that when they're going to take their dog for a walk is a lot different, you know? And so I had to give them more information than I normally would. Putting all their assessments, everybody can see everybody's personality assessments and their results. Like it was way more information they need to know. But I wanted to make sure we could actually know where we're headed. I mean, I had a, a deliverables list. We could just scratch things off the agenda as they got completed. And everyone knew what we were going to do. And so I think planning is more important. And then also saying, I have to create a diverse experience to engage lots of different people. I like that. Um, because everyone's saying, some people, large groups are not going to work for them. Some people, small groups don't work for them. Some people working alone doesn't work for them. But I did a little bit of all of it. And you had to be on call. It wasn't like, go work by yourself and we'll see you in the day. It was like, no, no, no. You're still accessible via instant message or a text. I just wanted to see you on technology. And it really allowed those who process slow, those who process quickly, those who work independently, those who work better in groups. Everyone got a little taste of all of it. And I think that's why it actually worked on the other end, because it pulled out the best of everybody, at least at some point. That's great. Hey, well, man, I want to thank you for... Uh, going before us, I'm glad you went first and did the four-day, all-day virtual meeting, and I can learn from you. Uh, and I'm always grateful when you coach me up on anything related to technology, platforms, and communication. You are the man for that. And if you're one of our listeners out there and you're thinking, gee, I, I need to get in on a virtual meeting, we've got an opportunity for you coming up. Uh, as some of you know, we recently uh, tried—we're trying to— 
find new ways to connect. And we have launched the Mentor Network, MNTR. You can learn more about this if you go to wearementor.co, w-e-a-r-e-r-m-n-t-r-mentor.co. Find out about the Mentor Network. We're going to have a virtual meetup coming up soon on Thursday, June the 4th, 3 o'clock Eastern. It's not going to be four days all day long. It's just going to be maybe an hour, and it's a chance just to actually talk live to one another, ask questions. Kevin, myself, Shane Benson, Jeff Henderson will be there. It's free to join. If you want to uh, be part of the Mentor Network, you can get a a free 30-day trial, and this will be covered as part of that. So we just want you to come and do that. We're also just super grateful uh, that you've taken time to join us on the Executive Minds podcast. It's growing. Thank you for telling others about it. We ask you just, if you find it valuable, continue just to share it with the people that you work with or hang out with, uh, because the bigger the the community gets, I think uh, the more great input we get, the more value we're able to add. So I want to thank you, Kevin, again, for sharing. Uh, Thank our listeners for hanging in there with us and wish you, as you move forward, the best virtual meeting ever applying what Kevin has shared with us. So, Kev, thanks so much, my friend. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you, everybody, for listening. All right. Till next time, have an awesome next virtual meeting.